Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Offline Time podcast where I publish when I feel like it um, for now. Uh, I'm really, really, really excited about our guest, Taylor Lorenz. We have such a juicy conversation all about women succeeding online, my pseudo cancellation of 2018, about the workshop drama, um, and all around her upcoming book, Extremely Online, that you can pre order now. There's a link in the show notes. The book is incredible. It's like an oral history of social media and goes into the creator economy. And it's also just kind of nostalgic because it talks about Vine and early YouTube, Facebook before it acquired Instagram. Oh my gosh. But you might have heard of Taylor Lorenz. She was one of the journalists that was banned from Twitter when Elon Musk took it over. He banned her from the platform because she pissed him off. Taylor is a technology columnist for the Washington Post business section where she covers online culture. Previously, she was at the New York Times and she has written for The Atlantic as well. All right, let's get into it. Hi, Taylor. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thanks for coming. Um, first, tell us a little bit about your book. How can we pre-order it? When does it come out? Um, it's available for pre-order right now, um, so definitely pre-order it. Um, pre-orders are the only thing that really count for book sales and um, you can get it yeah if you if you um, order it right now it'll be on your doorstep October 3rd amazing yes pre-order pre-order I feel like people are finally learning that like pre-order is the most important thing for book sales um, I just see a lot of writers talking about it more openly now which is awesome well your book is amazing I read it in like four days, which is really quick for me. I'm a slow reader. Um, it's almost like a historical text of social media, um, yeah. like fully. Like it's so detailed and you went so deep into every single possible social media outlet that really has kind of reigned supreme. I think the first part that I found interesting, I just fucking loved the section of mommy bloggers and the mommy bo- blogger boom of the early 2000s. And you wrote something like, there's always been ads running in tech and politics spaces, which are primarily or were primarily men's spaces and still are. And then when mothers started to monetize their work and they were able to monetize something that they were already doing, people became livid. Um, And I was too young to remember Heather Armstrong. Like I didn't read her then, but I knew about her later. But when I was reading through that that section, it it just really rang true to me because I feel like still women are they are held to the standard online and when they're making money online the public always has something to say about it this is from page 22 you wrote even though nearly every top mommy blogger was working on their blog full-time they and their audience appeared to internalize negative stereotypes about the economic value of the work they were doing Um, that basically it was looked down upon for women to monetize their work it was supposed to be about being a mother first you know how dare you kind of commercialize it. And I have to say, like, I have very complex feelings about this because while I do understand that, like, we are always putting women, especially mothers under fire about how they make money, there is such an interesting conversation happening right now about, like, children being in the social media place. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on that. I think it's the most disingenuous, stupid, like, I'm not, it's not stupid, but it's, it's so 
telling mm -hmm. that nobody has anything to say about the massive amounts of data that are harvested on our children and used to, you know, for really nefarious purposes, whether it's discriminating against them for jobs and colleges or, you know, using it to deny their health care or, you know, do it, sort of targeting children in really predatory ways, um, not to mention all of the schools and sports teams and camps that put out photos and detailed information about kids like scores and all of this stuff that contributes to kids massive online footprint but what are people angry about mothers they're mad at mothers for sharing pictures of their own kids which is which is not a large problem the majority of of kids content on the internet is teenagers putting themselves on the internet it's usually the parents that don't want their children on social media mm -hmm. so yes there are a couple like you know there's a very 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 small amount of moms that probably overshare but it's dwarfed by how these corporations and schools and camps and other sort of bigger organizations and the tech companies themselves exploit children mm -hmm. and so it's just it's so disingenuous for people to get mad at the moms or target moms and and sort of blame them mm. for why you know like kids are all over the internet and why kids have a digital footprint like mm. kids digital footprint is defined by these companies that also pressure the children themselves to put themselves online you know, you have like nine-year-olds, six-year-olds putting themselves online. That's because of tech propaganda telling us all to like commodify ourselves from a very young age. So it just bothers me so much, all of the, the like stuff. And it's very right-wing. It's very paternalistic. It's very like, you know, I did this story years ago, actually for The Atlantic, where I actually went out and interviewed dozens of, of actual children age six to 12 about their internet presence and how they felt about it. And I did this big survey and the majority of kids were upset that there wasn't more about themselves online. That's what they were upset about. They felt, they talked about not feeling like they existed because they didn't have Google image results. They felt like they, they weren't a real person in the world until they had photos of, of that you could search of them on the internet. And I just think those are the things we need to be talking about instead of villainizing mothers once again, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely, that is, that is a whole new, um, way of looking at it. I mean, I think it's really easy to target moms. Um, and, um, it does feel like there's a lot of child content. I mean, whether it's an influencer or just someone posting their kid and it happens to go viral on TikTok. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like there does have like their the, like undertones of like pedophilia, like an obsession with like pedophilia and stuff. Like when like you go into those spaces of like anti-posting children and it feels very yeah like very kind of like we need to protect the children and like we do but yeah like is it on the moms like where does it where's the line drawn um but exactly so much of it sorry this is like just my favorite i'm thinking of writing a big piece on this mm -hmm. so much of it is towards the mothers and not the fathers and i think it has to do mm. with like you know, motherhood is this very complicated thing. I, by the way, I'm all for better norms. I don't post about my I don't post about my personal life online. I always joke I could have a, you know, I, I will probably have secret children and never post them on the internet. Like I'm very for I'm very like privacy focused, but motherhood is isolating, and so many of the so much of the progress that we've made towards destigmatizing things like you know, um, struggles to breastfeed, postpartum depression. It's from moms talking about things on the internet or like, yeah. you know, there's 
stuff with like breastfeeding, parenting. breastfeeding, yeah. gentle parenting, like just all of this stuff that like you know yes sometimes kids are featured in this content. I agree. There's too much kids content online sometimes. I do think it's like the norms around privacy should shift a little bit, but why are the mothers being villainized and why is there no accountability on the, the behalf of the tech platforms themselves mm-hmm. or the fact that we have no data privacy in this country? Like, yes, it might be bad for like, you know, frustrating for kids to have like some embarrassing pictures online. But again, a lot of kids want, they, they want to get online as quickly as possible. And they want to build up their social media followings because they they're sucking down tech propaganda right since the time they're born they, they start on youtube at age three you know yeah. like th- these are the things we need to talk about not just like oh you posted a picture of your kid's birthday party you're a horrible mom you know like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is how sometimes it ends up going again mm-hmm. I, i'm not being the worst like parenting influencers at all i'm just saying like just from a broad perspective yeah yeah you um on this kind of topic on um on women in this space. Um, I did a piece for my Substack a couple months ago, like a podcast where I'm just kind of rambling into the cam- into the microphone talking about um, something that was so validating to read about in your book. And it's why, you know, women are not taken seriously in the space. Like, in, like I went around and, and just interviewed, like I went into Washington Square Park just by myself with my voice, with my iPhone and just started interviewing people. And, published a podcast about it. And I was like, why, like, what do you guys think about influencers? And every single person was like, ew, gross. They're women who are super full of themselves in vain. And, you know, I just was like, I'm, I'm, I, I hold my own opinions about it, but I'm so fascinated by how we, it's like cringe to be an influencer. It's like, it's like, it's, um, it's, it's like gross. It means a girl is like, you know, she gets lip filler and she wears a lot of makeup and it's not viewed as like, oh my God, they're literally like marketing geniuses. I mean, of course, like there are, you know, there's definitely negative um, influencers who are promoting, you know, things that are, are bad for our society, whatever, misinformation, blah, 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 blah. But like, just like in general, like broad strokes, like women making it just, I just thought it was so interesting when you're like women, whenever women are making money, we're going to have thoughts about it, whether or not they become a stay at home mom, whether or not they shoot to fame and they become Kim Kardashian or whether they're just like a, a an influencer, um, it seems like unless you're kind of like making money privately as a woman, like whether you're just having a normal quote, quote, nine to five job, but if you're in the public arena and you're making money, people are going to have a problem about it. And I found that I, I definitely found that to be true when I was an influencer and like I promoted an event, people were like, um, you know, I was like pseudo canceled for having it be expensive. Um, but like, I just don't think that that would happen to a man. Um, so I definitely, fa- yeah, like I definitely faced that myself and I'm curious to hear like upon your research like why that is and is this just straight up misogyny um what's going on here why are we why are we always like wondering how and why women are making money why do we care it is it is straight up misogyny and I think that misogyny is so pervasive in the way we talk about sort of women and work generally I mean you mentioned like the nine to five women also are chastised for having nine to fives like you can't be a powerful woman if you are become too powerful then you're a toxic girl boss you know if you're if you lean too hard into that and so then if you stay at home then you're you know like you have to be this perfect homemaker or you you know god forbid you try and make money on the internet or like market yourself of course people like like 
you're saying, people have problems with that. And there's no right way to be a woman online. Um, I think the way that people speak about the influencer industry is 100% misogyny. Yeah. Like, this is an industry that was built and pioneered by women, a half a trillion dollar industry that came out of nowhere that was pioneered by women. And by the way, women that were like, just brutalized and chastised every step of the way. And, you know, the way that people talk about it, again, is like, it's it's so, it's so vicious towards mm-hmm. these women. And um, certain women reach a level, because we live in capitalism, like they reach a level of success where they've made so much money that men are forced to respect them. Because ultimately, in a capitalistic society, money you know, you are, you get respect if you make enough money. This is why Kim Kardashian, you know, gets to speak at like business conferences, right? Right. But there's still this underlying disrespect, and it's like uh, people will laugh, like, "Oh, ha, ha!" You know, can you believe we've got Kim Kardashian? But you know, you gotta respect her; she's making money. It's the way that people talk about women. Mm. It's it's just yeah, it's it's there's no right way to to be a woman online, and if you market yourself at all, you're you're just you're, yeah, you're brutalized. Like you mm-hmm. can't ask for fame. You can't ask for attention. The notion is that it has to be sort of bestowed on you and you have to be gracious and meek and quiet and demure and mm-hmm. you can never seek fame. You can never seek attention. You can never seek money. Yeah. Otherwise you're, you know, you know, you're a problem. It's just, it's disgusting. <laughs> and yeah, and it's happened. It's been so pervasive. Like that's yeah. what I was so shocked, honestly, reading this book. And like, I think what's like changed by, you know, made me have these very strong views about like the sort of like the backlash today about like the mom stuff is like, I think just writing this book and there were so many examples that I couldn't include, but too, but like just realizing like what women went through and like what they've been through, it just gave me so much respect and like admiration and kind of like, I was just in awe. Like, how did they even make it through alive? I mean, a lot of them didn't, unfortunately, they quit the internet and they had complete mental breakdowns or they were driven out of their careers. But exactly like what you said of like what these women were sort of like canceled for. Mm-hmm. It's like men will literally log onto Instagram and sell their drop shipping course for $10,000 at the age <laughs> of 11. That is like what people, you know, mm-hmm. and a woman selling like tickets to a glorified me and greet. It's like somehow that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. We have so, we have such a long way to go. We really do. Okay. Um, sorry. I, I, I'm so sorry. I'll give shorter answers. No, 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 no. I, no, I was saying we have as a society have a long way to go. Oh, as a society. No, oh, yeah. no, I love oh, this. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I might cut them for brevity, but like, no, 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 go off girl, go off. Um, no, absolutely. I mean, I think I was almost driven out for sure. I was like, I never yeah. wanted to go on the internet again. Thanks to, um, you know, uh, just hate. Um, and I remember like, I remember like once, like when towards when it was getting really bad, I remember like posting something and I was getting a lot of hate as always. And someone wrote like, I think I was going on hiatus and someone wrote, Jesus Louise, no, no, no. Um, like it's no wonder Lee wants to go on a break. Like you guys are terrible to her. Like, you know, like my, my community, yeah. my community flipped on me. And one thing I wanted to ask you about is like, yeah, like, like, can is there such thing do you like from where I've watched all these communities like when they get really big they flip on the person it's almost yeah. like when you get like super big you, like if you're Kim you're untouchable 
Okay. But like, like all these women who have been canceled and like when you get big enough in your space, there's a, there's a boom and there's a bust. It's almost like a stock. Um, and then you bust and you have a fall. And, um, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on that. You are a hundred percent correct. And it's because you don't, you, you can never like, and by the way, Kim had her cancellations like on the way up and, and was able to persevere partially because of her enormous amount of fame and privilege. Um, Mm -hmm. most, like most other women can't. And it's because it's this desire to never let women get too much power, right? You have to sort of like be like, they can never really get too successful because then that makes people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes actually women, it's, it's, it's so yeah. shocking, but the majority of people that tear these influencers down are other oh, women. Absolutely. I mean, you saw Brianna Media's thing. It was all women hating on her, you know, it, it's, and it's internalized misogyny. It's, it's jealousy. It's, it's, um, it's just, it's really disgusting. And it's sort of like the most like vile, like, I just, these people are like, you know, if they're such bottom feeders, but it's, it's also just, I think, ingrained in our culture and our yeah. society of like, you know, oh, this woman's getting too uppity. Oh, she's not grateful enough. That's what mm-hmm. you hear all the time. Mm-hmm. She's not grateful enough. Mm-hmm. As if people, I mean, look at the men. Do you think David Dobrik or Jake Paul has ever showed gratitude yeah. for any, yeah. anything? Like, yeah. No. And they're not expected to. But right. women, again, it's like, oh, she's too uppity. She's too full of herself. She, she doesn't appreciate it anymore. So let's take it away from her. Let's snatch it back. You know, um, it's just, and it's really horrible. Oh, oh. Um, all right. So something I've been noticing, I don't know if you spend a lot of time on Substack, but I know that my readers will love this question. And I've been noticing is that like Substack is like making influencers. Like there are Substack influencers now. Um, and like they debuted notes a couple months ago and then like uh, about six months ago they they debuted um follower numbers or re- subs- uh you know subscriber yeah. numbers and then check marks um different levels of check marks and i watched all these changes roll out with great pre- trepidation um still still love the platform but i'm watching um the same, I'm watching kind of the same thing happen that happened on Instagram happen to Substack, where I'm watching my notes feed is um, all these people creating Substacks on how to grow on Substack. And then, um, you know, ask me anything. And all these writers are doing like AMA hours, what, what I would do Q&As, you know, like, like, you know, people asking like, you know, very, very uh, personal questions. What are we just going to be, and I was really kind of hoping that Substack would just not be a social media platform, but it feels like it's, I, I don't know, it's too soon to say, but like, uh, you know, there's all the, like a, a new social media, what I'm trying to ask is a new social media company will come out. Everyone will be excited. It's different. It's different. And then it feels like it's not. Are we just going insane? Are we just going to completely, like, when's it going to crack? Is it going to crack? What's the future of a platform like Substack? Are we just repeating history? Um, yeah, I think these platforms, all platforms, are incentivized to put public metrics and, you know, sort of move more into like these like influencer style kind of like like platforms because that is what that is what drives growth, and ultimately they have to drive growth and profit, and so it's the profit motivations that are driving these platforms to create these unhealthy kind of incentives, right? The the goal of putting public subscriber counts is to 
push people, right? It's to make you feel that like, oh, shoot, well, wow, they've got 10,000 paid subscribers. I should get try to get that. You know, mm-hmm. it's like gamifying everything. Mm-hmm. And all of these social platforms eventually move towards that model because we have a system where to monetize a big social platform at scale, you need constant, you need people constantly generating content. You need that like funnel of like, 24 seven content generation in order to keep growing and you need to push people to create more, post more, share more. And, um, yeah, it's really, it's, it's depressing because I think for those of us that are the users, it just, it feels exhausting. I feel the same way. I like Substack because it was sort of this break from all of that. And I don't love the the features that they've added out that are sort of more public. Although I, I do like that it's opt in. You don't have to show it if you don't want to, but of course there's pressure to show it, to show those metrics and stuff. Um, yeah. And I think we need a less profit driven social media ecosystem, but you know, that's quite hard to have in our current economic landscape. But oh my I God. Right. I think like the biggest nonprofit company out there is Wikipedia. A hundred percent. And that's yeah. not even a social network. So no. yeah, <laughs> it's just so funny. I'm seeing like the exact same, the same kind of things happen where like check marks come out, follower numbers come out. And then all of a sudden these creators or influencers, whatever you really want to call them on Substack, they're probably called creators or writers, but they're becoming kind of these, these, um, behemoths and um and they like and yeah like it's it's like they are um yeah it's just it's so interesting and it's kind of making me feel a little bit well okay so you've done a lot of research and studying about social media and the internet over the last 24 years and what are some of your takeaways lessons and hopes um in the next 24 years that we can take moving forward like what are the mistakes we've made and what can we learn and how can we move from here Yeah, there's a few big takeaways I hope people take away from my book. Um, One is that Silicon Valley leaders are not geniuses. They often don't even know how their products will be used and almost succeed in spite of sort of (laughs) like, it's like the users that end up propping them up and saving their ass. Like it's the creative content creators that emerge and like generate the engagement on these platforms. Like, and I think that we've been spoon-fed all of these narratives about social media that that really center the men that run these companies, like the social network and things like that. And mm. um, and that's often what tech books do too. It's like, I mean, look at the two big tech books I'm up against. It's like the Walter Isaacson, Elon Musk book, the, you know, um, Michael Lewis, Sam Bankman-Fried book. It's like, you know, there's all these like books about these men and they're sort of just, I mean, I say this in the book, but like they've just sort of channeled the, the internet and the, the, the social, like it's the users and it's the content creators that really yeah. sort of bring the creativity and content. So I think let's stop listening to Silicon Valley executives. They often never know what they're talking about and they're super misogynist and have written off, you know, things that ended up being transformative pieces of technology over and over again because they were first adopted by young women. Um, and the other thing I want people to take away is like, let's try to build less profit driven social platforms. Let's try to be like, like, let's recognize what, like the, the amazing parts, but also the downsides of like social media. Like I do believe in connection. I do believe that like sort of the goal of the internet is to be this like people connector, but um, I wish that we could do it in, in sort of healthier online environments. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think the answer is logging off and less connection. I think we need more connection. We're all very lonely. Like it's a, 
you know, it's a big thing we need. The internet has the power to bring us all together, um, but not if we're using these like super profit driven platforms run by maniacal billionaires. Yeah. Yeah. I know that you have also been the target of online um, hate and targeted attacks. Like you told me when you got the book deal, your trolls called Simon and Schuster. Um, so you too have seen the dark side and I have too. And I feel like once you see it, you can't unsee it, but how do you kind of keep going and how do you keep that hope for the future? Like you said, yeah, like the answer isn't logging off. That's one thing I like to talk about too, is like I did log off and it was actually really isolating. (laughs) Um, so, and it's just a part of our culture. It's like, it is an undeniable part of our culture. It's not so easy to just log off. So like, how do you kind of like, where do you see the hope? How do you access the hope? I think it's really important to have like a core group of friends and people that like are like really like your friends for you and that can kind of like gut check you and like have your back. Um, Because I think like, you know, especially when like the hate has gotten really bad and like I see these people all the time and I'm sure you deal with the same thing. It's like people make you into a character online and they almost like hate the character that they've made, even Mm -hmm. though you're like, that's not even based in reality. You're like, you, you have all this like lore about me that like you've kind of made up that it's like these sort of half truths of different situations. And so it's just really helpful to sort of like have people that really know you and like can keep you grounded and like know who you are and you know whatever every time I've been getting like you know backlash or canceled for some dumb thing I'm like I check in with like the people that really care about me and I'm like okay wait like am I in the wrong here or like how should I handle this or yeah you know it's just a reminder that like you're not who your trolls think you are I think I was just like wondering I'm kind of like curious your thoughts it's like I think that, like, I wish we could have sort of more nuanced conversations about this stuff. And, like, one reason I wanted to write this, like, history of kind of, like, the way all of this emerged is because, like, I think we can critique, like, the bad parts of influencer culture because there are a lot of bad parts of it and, like, downsides and it's hard and stuff. But also recognize, like, kind of, like, the positive parts and, like, what women contributed to the internet and, like, what we've done and, like, liberatory aspects of it too like i i just think like the internet is sort of this mix of good and bad and there's been a lot of like i guess like people kind of like tend to focus on either all one or the other like all like hustle bro like yes the internet anyone can make it like creator economy right or it's like (laughs) oh my god it's like forcing all of us to you know just like monetize every aspect of our life it's so dystopian and bad and it's like it's both of those things you know um Mm. and And so I just really wanted people to kind of like look back and just realize like all of this stuff is a lot kind of more muddled than you'd think. And like, we should have more nuanced conversations about it. Yeah, that is definitely, it's so hard, I think, to take a balanced approach. I mean, I think with anything, a lot of us are very black and white when it comes to thinking. You know, I try like when I'm talking about my writing or my experience to to never kind of be like influencers or my, my experience was all this or all that because there were so many amazing experiences. I got to take my mom to Japan, um, like an all expenses paid trip to Japan. I got to buy myself a car. Um, like during those years of influencing, I was able to fly home and see my family so much. Like I was making a salary that allowed me to gift my parents, like something that they really wanted for Christmas. Like just, there were so many things that were like so positive that I got from it. And I really got to like 
really learn about what I wanted to do. But then, yeah, there were like some really negative parts about it. And I think that the, I think that the problem is that like the, the psyche is like, like we just tend to focus on the negative things because those things also like live longer within us. Like it, the trauma of, yeah. of being on social media to that level for me was like affected me longer than like the Japan trip, you know, like the happiness oh, of yeah. like a Japan trip. Also, I think we need to keep the criticism, especially on big tech yeah. and on the people that are truly profiting because right. yes, maybe some influencers are profiting in really amazing ways, but like the problem and the exploitation comes from these big tech companies. And like, we don't need to villainize like women on the internet making money. Like we need to talk about like the incentive structures of the platforms, what they incentivize. Why, you know, like, just like, let's get to the root of the problem, you know? Oh my God. So true. Oh my God. Oh, oh my God. So true. Yeah. I mean, like, I just think it's easier to, I mean, well, first of all, if, if you're a woman on the internet sharing your life in any capacity, you're easier to access than these like Elon Musk's and these, you know, Jack Dorsey's. So it's like an easier, lower reach. But yeah, like if an influencer is even making 750K or a million, they're still not making anything close to what the CEOs are making at like Google. So like, you know, um, well, thank you guys so much for listening. If this is your first time listening to me or my podcast, this is a weekly newsletter called offline time. Sometimes I do podcasts, but it is definitely a weekly newsletter. You can go to leetolman.substack.com or just Google Offline Time Substack to subscribe. We talk about all sorts of things related to social media and influencer culture, including my former life as an influencer. But we also talk a lot about other things, including modern culture, egg freezing, snow white feminism, sharenting, envy in the age of social media. And I also share a monthly list of offline things that I did to inspire offline practice. So if you liked it, think about subscribing or even becoming a paid subscriber. I'm really glad to be with you guys today and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Let me know what you think in the comments. Bye.